It all sounds counterintuitive to have a guide on the Mother's Day service. But I love the women of God who are experts in living lives of faith in the unseen spaces. Now, my mum, you, you hear lots of crazy stories about her because she is a crazy individual. Okay, I told you at Easter how she beat me up when I went away to school, remember that? True story. But mum is actually the one person on the planet I respect more than anybody else. She is a gun. I don't know if you know this, but when I was a, like in the early 90s, sort of like 91, 92, which was a pretty precarious time in Australia anyway. There was, you know, it was before Facebook, so people were getting away with more. There was no phones yet, unless you were super rich, you know? Like, it was like five years away from the Nokia 3110s coming out. Like, it's that era. And my parents went through a super, super messy divorce. I look back on those days, and we, there was five kids, man. And she was all alone, and she was going hard, doing things that nobody else saw, this unseen commitment to making sure that we got through. And today I want to honour those in this room, and it's not just moms. Those who have that unseen commitment that never gets recognised. You know, the, the unseen commitment, God is the God of the unseen. He's the one who sees you. He saw my mum from 10pm till 6am. He sees you when you're getting up at 2am. He sees you, lads, when you're pulling extra hours because you know there's a bill coming that you can't afford. Like, he is the God of the unseen. And today we want to celebrate those who live with unseen faith, with unseen commitment, with unseen dedication to a God who sees you. He sees you this morning. He is not absent. You know, Susie read a psalm, and it comes from a place where the psalmist was like, God, I'm calling out to you. Sometimes we can feel like we're calling out to God and wondering if he's there, but he is, and he's looking at you, and he sees you, and he loves you. So let's explore some encouraging scripture about the unseen God seeing you. The first thing I want to bring up is unseen faith. Matthew 8, 6 says, When you pray, go into your room, Close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what you are doing in secret will reward you. Isn't that cool? The unseen faith. Nobody sees you when you've gone into your room, you've closed the door and you're getting a moment of prayer. You know, so, some people, women in particular, women with little kids, especially have this ability to somehow grow in their faith on the run. In the mayhem of it all. See, last Sunday night, we had a worship night here at church. And for two hours, I sat in the presence of God and worshipped. And I soaked in His presence. And I laid down for a bit. Then I got up for a bit. Then I prayed over people. Then they prayed over me. I was able to dig deep in my relationship with God for two hours. And it was a huge blessing. And half the mums in the room just got mad at me. Because you're not in that face. Your unseen faith at the moment is running to church to try to catch half a sermon while you're you know, running out the door to somehow manage them on the playground and then you put them in church and then they want to practice that move where the kids just go, uh... Have you noticed kids just want to do that sometimes? They just go, uh... And you're like... And then everyone starts looking at you and you're like, I can't do anything about it. It's just going, uh... 
so you start feeding it stuff, and then they don't start liking it, so then you start feeding them junk food, because you're like, they've got to eat something to stop them going, and you just don't catch church for ages. You know, like, catching half a sermon, chasing the kids around, trying to listen to podcasts in the car, and they're noisy, trying to pray at home, and you fall asleep. Like, it's a difficult time, and I think, as this passage says, sometimes the only experience you have in growing in your faith is when you can just shut the door for five minutes and connect to God and live on, not the scraps, but what you can barely, you know, get by on. Some of you guys have this ability to just flourish in the unseen places with your faith. When my kids were little, I used to go to the toilet just to get some peace and quiet. And I just needed space, and I didn't even have to go. I just went in there and sat on the toilet. Now, when I was thinking about that, I, I wondered last night why I actually still pulled my pants down, even though, was, even though it was fake, right? I'm just sitting in there. But I realise now, if you sit on the toilet with your clothes on, it feels really weird. Okay? So that's your homework tonight, is to sit on the dunny with your pants on. You'll feel like a weirdo. But I used to just go in there and take five minutes just to get space on my own. Can I just encourage you? God sees your unseen faith. He sees you in those little moments, that one worship song in the car, the five-minute prayer, the quick discussion you have on the way out the door. If you're living on that at the moment, God sees you. You're not letting him down. You're not a disappointing Christian. You're doing your best, and God sees that. God is into unseen faith. He's also into unseen generosity. Matthew 6, 3-4. But when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what, you, what is done in secret, will reward you. You know, I think humans, but mothers in particular, have this ability to somehow be generous even though they'd love to be the recipients of the generosity they're showing. I'm one of the playgroup mums now. Okay, We have a cranking playgroup on Wednesdays in this church. And I come down and I'm, I'm like, it, it, it's literally my favourite part of being a pastor. Like, sorry to everyone else who doesn't come, but like you a second. Like, it is the <laughs> best ministry. It's hands down, I love it. And, uh, and about 30 mums come from the community, about maybe 8 to 10 from church and the rest are... You know, people from all over the community who just walk down there, and I'm like their plutonic man friend. Okay, so I come down, I give them caffeine and sugar, I ask them about their day, I check in with them, make them laugh. I'm like their little bestie, right? I sometimes get drawn into awkward conversations about sore areolas, whatever they are. Um, but on the whole, I'm just there to serve, right? Now, Something that always astounds me is the generosity these women are able to display to one another, even in the midst of their own craziness. You'll see people come down with, you know those ones that they haggard hair, mascara lines, it's just been a hell of a morning. And they come in and bless another mum with a meal. Out of their own fatigue, they demonstrate this unseen generosity. And, and I hear about all this stuff happening all the time. You know, like, 
people giving each other prams or taking care of each other's kids so you can have an hour off or you know giving money to people who just need money sometimes imprompt op shop type situations happen at playgroup where a bunch of people just bring clothes chuck it on a table take what you want give what you want and then they just everyone just exchanges it's unseen generosity you know god is into that and it's not just for moms, it's for all humans. People are built for generosity. And I like that passage. It says, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. You know, when you give, you don't need to write a banner and say, woohoo, I gave. Just under the, under the radar, covert giving gives God a lot of glory. He loves generosity. I know it's counterintuitive to read a passage about unseen generosity and then tell you a story about generosity. But I'm going to do it because I'm not doing this for any glory. But a couple of weeks ago, I was over at the service station. Okay? And I was behind a guy, and the lady gave him a form. And I just looked over and saw the form, and it was the policy on uh, insufficient funds on your debit card. So basically, he went to pay, and, he could, and, and it didn't go through. So he had to read this policy, and I imagine then they would have had to go through the paperwork. He goes off to the side to do his paperwork, and I'm like, was that the emphasis? Oh, just chuck it on my card. And she's like, are you sure? It's $40. And I'm like, oh. like, there's been times in our marriage where 40 bucks would have hurt us, but that week, 40 bucks, I would have just wasted it on a breakfast with a maid at a coffee shop. I'm like, just, just pay it. Like, 40 bucks for this guy meant his account was drained. For us at that time, we, we didn't need it, so we blessed him, and then I was like, uh-oh, he's gonna get embarrassed or it might be a bit weird when he finishes reading the things. So I quickly just ran to my car and drove away, right? But I don't know the result of that. And I don't say that to gloat. I just say that that should be normal, shouldn't it? Yeah. Like these unplanned like, acts of generosity where you just bless someone because you can. God likes that. Ladies are great at that. Everyone should be great at that. Third thing, and I think this is probably my most important point is the unseen discipleship. <coughs> 2 Timothy 1.5. Okay, this is a letter from Paul, who was a heavy hitter in the church, writing to Timothy, who became a heavy hitter in the church. Two really um, important men of God. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois, and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded, now lives in you. Timothy was nurtured in his faith by his mother, Eunice. Eunice was nurtured in her faith from her mother, Lois. There was a legacy of faith that you know, went through Eunice, or Lois to Eunice, to Timothy. And he became who he was because of that mentoring, because of that discipleship, because of what they sowed into him. Now, most research today indicates that a person's worldview or the way they see the world, the way they are shaped, and the way they look out of their eyes is formed between the ages of 15 months and 13 years. And once a person's worldview is formed, it's very rare that they change it. It does happen in miraculous circumstances, but it's very rare, and, and it's because your worldview is made up of your fundamental beliefs. You might have an adult child and think, He's got a certain, or she's got a certain characteristic, and you'd be like, yeah, they'll look like that when they fight. They will fight. They are. They are sponges picking up everything. Now, this is a bit of a generalization, 
and there are exceptions and there's different circumstances, but who does a child usually hang out with primarily between 15 months and 13 years? Mum. Not always, but often, not always, and I'm not trying to offend anyone who this was different, right? But usually it's mum who helps shape the worldview of a child. It just, it, it literally can be because of volume of interaction. Like when our kids were little, Jess simply had more time with the kids, which resulted in more influence, which meant she shaped their worldview more than I did. I didn't abdicate my responsibility, I was helping and I definitely should have been, but I think we can fall into the trap of undervaluing that unseen discipleship that mum does. Now, do you know why we can undervalue unseen discipleship? It's in the name. Who said that? Because it's unseen. You don't see it. When my kids were little, Jess was the one getting up and praying for them when they got scared at night. Right? When my kids were little, she was the one reading them hundreds and hundreds of Christian books. When my kids were little, she was the one bringing them to playgroup to model servant leadership. She was a volunteer, bringing the kids along to show, I volunteer, and this is what we do as Christians. You know, she was the one stewarding their spiritual growth. She was the one singing worship to them and memorizing scripture and praying. I wasn't absent. I wasn't abdicating my responsibility at all, but I trusted Jess with the unseen discipleship because she was the primary discipler in their lives at that time. Last disclaimer, I know it doesn't always work like that, but when it does work like that, Guys should look at the person who disciples their children, especially if they've done a good job, and go, well done. You need to get out there and spend a thousand bucks on a present today. And bless your wife today. Because she was out at 2 a.m. when you were just snoring your head off. Right? Things have changed a bit now, where particularly with me and Josiah, he's 14 now. He and I have way more fake chats than we ever did when they were kids. Things change, but in that season, the unseen discipleship Mate, hands down, was necessary. I still led my family, but she took care of the discipleship at that point, and I'm grateful. Two more. Unseen trust. Okay, this is one thing that I think is a real huge point. This is Hannah. Now, Hannah was a lady who desired to have a child, couldn't have one for ages, and then kind of made a deal with God that if she became pregnant, she'd dedicate the child to the Lord. So um, from 1 Samuel 1, 27, it says, I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord, for his whole life will be given over to the Lord. And he worshipped the Lord there. Okay, so Eli goes and moves into the temple. At 12 years old, I mean, not Eli, Samuel goes and moves into the temple at 12 years old and serves under Eli. Now, that is a big deal, but she demonstrates trust. She came good on her word. She's like, God, you give me a, give me a child and I'll trust this child to your service. Okay, so she, she could, you know, she could be suspicious that Eli was going to be a good mentor. She could, you know, back out of her vow. Um, she might want to keep Samuel close at hand. I know when my kids turn 12, there's no way I'm handing them over to a priest. 
Um, right. I didn't even listen to myself. Do you know what? What's this say, Ash? Read that little in brackets there. This, this in brackets. Do not insert suspicious priest joke here. So, I've got to grow up. My notes are telling me to grow up. She was called to trust. Unseen trust that God is the God of Samuel as well as her God. It's tough, man, but I'm at an age where a lot of my friends are in an age where their kids are making decisions on whether or not they're going to follow Christ. And to be able to trust God with their salvation is difficult. So hard. And it's not just your kids, and it's eventually your grandkids too. To trust God that He's got them. I remember when I was 15 years old, I had no sign of following God. I just wasn't interested. And mum was at me because she was the primary carer, right? She's like, hey, you've got to get yourself right with God. It's everything. And I, I as a 15-year-old, said, well, don't you trust God? Now, I was doing it to be provocative and a smarty-pants 15-year-old. And do you know what? It was a prophetic word for her. And she was like, actually, I do. And from that point on, she never worried about my salvation one more day. You know, and I eventually came back to Christ. You had to wait another six years. That would be a long six years, right? I don't know if you've been waiting five years, six years, two months, or 20 years for someone in your life. But we've got to have unseen trust that God will reach them. He wants to. Do you know what? He reached you. He got you. He could get to them too. Have unseen trust. And then the last thing. Unseen trust. Sacrifice. My mom laid down her life for us. This passage says, Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. My mom laid down her life for us. She pushed through mountains of struggle to make sure we were okay. She stayed up late. She got up early. She took us camping. She taught us how to do things. She taught me how to drive. Right? She did her best to show Jesus and she wore herself out so we can be provided for. She demonstrated this verse. Greater love has no one than this said to lay down their life for those they love, for their friends. Maybe you had a mum like that. Maybe you are a mum like that. I have witnessed countless women, not just moms, just women in general, overcome sleep depravity and frustration and financial hardship and marital stress and anxiety and fear of failure and brokenness and that general pregnancy-induced psychosis. You know the one, right? It's a maddening time. But seeing them push through and sacrifice on behalf of somebody else that they love more than themselves. All in the name of serving the way Jesus served us. Do you know why that sacrifice hits your heart? If you think about someone who lays down their life for someone else, the reason it's powerful is because they're modeling the love that Jesus demonstrates to us. That love, that sacrificial love, that unseen sacrifice, 
That's Christ. He looks at us in our brokenness, in our stupidity, in our rebellion, in everything that is less than perfect. And He loves us. And He sacrifices Himself so we don't need to be sacrificed. You know, the reason why my mom stayed up from 10 till 6 is so I didn't have to. I reap the benefits of her sacrifice. As Christian people, we reap the benefits of Christ's sacrifice. He paid for your sin, so you don't have to. You walk in freedom because He took your condemnation. You are set free because He was set captive and He paid that price so you can be redeemed. That is ultimate love. That is the love we're talking about. That's the mother love that you see in people. God loves us. He loves us. And we get glimpses of that when we see other people responding and living out of that love. You know, all week I was thinking, how do we bless, bless the monks? And how do we bless the ladies of our church? How do we bless the spiritual moms and the godmothers and the, you know, the stepmothers and the adoptive mothers and all the other ladies, the spiritual moms in this place? And the aunties and the future moms. How do we do it? And I was thinking, maybe we buy roses. Well, have you ever tried to buy roses at Mother's Day? I, I love you guys, but you actually pay for the running of the church. And I just feel like it's bad stewardship to take all your money and spend it on roses. They're expensive. You can get them roses. You can bake them some cookies. Um, Zach, where are you, bro? He baked some cookies for playgroup the other day. That was, is he out there? He's in the kitchen. He's in the kitchen. Is there more? Are they the same ones? Yes! <laughs> Ladies, Zaggy, you're a hero. How many are there? You know those pinkies, the hard ones? How many? Oh, that's just enough for the ladies. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but he makes the, the chocolate. Oh, he's got the chocos as well. Yeah. He's leading. Okay, well, I didn't know about having cookies, but we haven't cookies. Um, but that wasn't what I was planning. You know what I think the best thing we can do for the ladies in this place is? Pray over them. And thank them. Ladies, the legacy of faith and the discipleship you demonstrate and the sacrifice and the consistent dedication to the Lord is commendable. Do you know why we were looking forward to Marjorie preaching? It's because she brings something of depth of a life of walking with Christ that you can't buy. You have to live. And when she comes, when she's healed in three or four weeks, she's going to Speak from a place of authority and, and, and discipline and experiencing God for decades. Ladies, thank you. For the older ones who set the legacy, thank you. For the younger ones that are going hard, thank you. For the middle-aged ones who are running around after your grandkids, thank you. For those who don't have physical babies but are still part of this church, thank you. Because we are all in this together. We're a family. It doesn't matter if you've got a physical baby, spiritual baby, whatever your role is, thank you. God is seeing you. He sees your sacrifice and He loves you. So I'm going to do something a bit confronting. I'm going to get us to get all the ladies together and we're going to pray over them.
We are going to bless them in prayer. We're going to stand around them and we're going to thank God for them. Yeah, I know God has a 